good morning good afternoon good night whatever time it is man glad you're here glad you're listening as we continue our study in james we're on chapter two now guys we are on chapter two verse one through seven and we're about to get a little bit deeper into the faith that we've been called to how do we handle people of different socioeconomic statuses and uh what our hearts are really displaying as we do those things. And so as we study, man, read chapter two, verse one through seven. If you haven't stopped the tape here, go ahead and uh, check it out and then come back once we'll for questions. If you have, man, let's dive in, man. Let's dive in deep. So the first question is, what is uh, uh, James actually saying in his words? Well, he's saying that we shouldn't have favoritism. We shouldn't have favoritism in this life of Christ. This is in the in the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ of glory, or our glorious Lord Jesus Christ. A side note, some think that this word, uh, it, it's called a, um, uh, a genitive, and genitives have different ways in which they function, and you have to make the distinction of what it is. And some think that this is an appositional genitive, which means that it is like a another name or a descriptor. So it's like Paul, a man, you know what I'm saying? And then, uh, and so what it's saying is that uh, Jesus Christ, the glorious one, you know what I'm saying? And so it's a kind of uh, saying that, that James is, is ascribing to Christ the Shekinah or the, um, the, the, the honor and, and, and the wonder and the presence of who God is. Uh, that's on a side note, because not all people think that it's just understanding the genitive in the Greek language and trying to figure out how it functions in the sentence. And uh, and so one more thing on that, it says it's because it's so far away from what the original descriptor is, which means the thing that it's actually trying to describe, that it probably uh, could mean that it's saying that Jesus Christ, the glorious one or Jesus Christ, the glory you know, uh, but most people think that it's our glorious Lord, Jesus Christ. Uh, that's just cool stuff to me. So that's why I decided to mention it to you, because, uh, yeah, thinking about how people describe Christ in the scriptures, because some people want to say Jesus is never called God or Jesus never says he is God. But clearly here, uh, James, his brother which is the unique thing is that James is his brother and not many brothers want to say that their brother is God, you know what I mean? Or call themselves a slave of their brother. But he here says, Jesus is the one who has all glory. He is the Shekinah, the wonder, the beauty of God. That is who he is. So I, I think that's cool in that manner to, uh, uh, to see that anyway. He says that uh, we don't hold this faith. It says, uh, and he gives an example saying that favoritism happens. In the example, it says that uh, a person with um, um, rich clothes comes on, looking bright, shining good. You know, he says he comes into the church and then another person comes in and they are wearing ragged clothes, clothes that are so filthy, probably the only clothes that they have and aren't really able to sustain them in life. And it says, and you look at them both. And it says, and when you look at them both, you say that the good one can sit here in this good place. And then they say to the other one, you sit under my feet. Ooh, that's a bad position to sit up under someone's feet. He actually says, stand over there in the corner or you can sit up under my feet. 
that's where the poor person or the one that comes in not wearing very good clothes, they say about him. And then when he says that, he says, don't you make distinctions among each other or don't you discriminate between one another? He says, don't you take these two people, separate them and give them classifications. Don't you do that when you do this? And it says, and when you do this, isn't it with evil intentions? Like the reason you do this is not because you uh, desire for God's glory to be shown um, um, to the rich person and, and think that glory, God's glory shouldn't be shown to the poor person. It says you make yourselves judges. Later on, we're going to see uh, as he alludes back to this, that there is only one judge. And if, if you say you're the judge, then uh, you're saying you're God. And so he says, there's only one judge who does this and you ain't him. And so the judgment that you do when you separate these two classes is evil. And then he gives a reason why he says this. He says, ah, you boast in the rich person. He says, but doesn't God take the people who are poor to the world in the eyes of the world in the vision of the world and make them rich in faith and heirs to the kingdom? For those who love him. So it's not always just poor, straight, poor people, though. Okay. Now, as we're talking about Christians here, and he says that the poor who love Christ, he says, doesn't he take those people and make them heirs of the kingdom while you're taking that person and then squishing them? So basically, it's, it's saying, like, don't you recognize that this poor person that you're squishing is also an heir of the kingdom with you? Don't you recognize that they have much, as much esteem and as much value as you because they are heirs of the kingdom? Don't you know this? And then he he, he finishes by saying uh, or giving more of a um, like he's like, how bad are you, bro? He's like, but you uh, the way Greek has it, it says humeus hate masate, which the verb has the um, the noun which it represents already in it, or the pronoun technically. Uh, it says, in the verb, it says you, but then he also writes you. So he's like, you, you, you know what I'm saying? It's like a double you. He's emphatically saying, but you, pointing his finger, it says that you dishonor the poor. He's like, God has chosen the poor but you dishonor him. And so I think maybe that, that little illustration that he gave earlier was not just a illustration. It's probably something that was going on at the church that James was writing to. So the question, I know we haven't got to the application yet, but the question is, are you dishonoring the poor? Am I dishonoring the poor? And he says, but you dishonor the poor. And then he says, is it not the rich who oppress you? And they themselves, this has that, uh, that that pronoun, double pronoun again I was talking about. It says, they themselves drag you to court. And they themselves blaspheming you. Now, he's not talking about Christians here uh, of the rich, but he's talking about how the rich, though they could be Christian or non-Christian, these particular ones, I believe, are non-Christian. Even though the person that comes into the church that they're at and they esteem that rich person better than the poor person may be a Christian. He's saying that people who are rich do this to you. He's like, and, and, and they're probably actively doing this. It looks like in this particular passage, this, uh, this pericope that James is writing at this present moment is talking about real facts that are happening in the church. And so this is probably a real fact that is happening to the people amongst this church that the rich in society have been 
first off, dragging them to, to court, oppressing them, making them pay fines and bills of things that they probably owe to them because of ways that they have lived to have to borrow. And now they're getting taken to court and probably put in jail in debtor's prison. And then not only that, he says they're calling them bad names. They're blaspheming the God. So it's probably when they say blasphemy, usually we talk about uh, uh, God, talking about falsely saying something about God. And so they may be even talking about their Christian name, not just their name, like like that they're a good person. And then that they're saying that they're not paying their debts back, dragging them to court in that way. But really, they're talking about that because he is a Christian that he doesn't want to do what he's supposed to do because he follows Christ. He doesn't want to do. He says like, so these people, the rich people are ones that are doing this. It's not the poor people. It's the rich. So what is this saying about God? What is this passage saying about God? I think first it says God looks upon the poor and the lowly. He looks upon people without distinction. He does not discriminate. He does not pick and choose sides according to someone's richness or their uh, uh, poorness. That's what we do. And when we do it, we make bad distinctions. God doesn't do that. He doesn't show favoritism. His eyes are on the poor because he sees their need. And most of the time, those it seems like that are in that destitute situation. We talked earlier about the word for poor. And this is the other word. It's called patoxis. And so patoxis means someone who is destitute, someone who is like not even able to support themselves in any manner. It's not uh, a tapinas, which is more like the um, way in which uh, a person is humble or lowly. But it means more of a person who is uh, uh, destitute in need that can't support themselves in any way. And so whenever James is speaking about this person, it says that God looks upon them with favor because when a person is in that type of way and that desire, they usually have to find themselves uh, uh, help and they seek that help from God. What is this saying about man? Is that we have a tendency to sign worth according to a person's looks or what benefit we get from them. And so that's the reason he does this distinction. He says, you're doing, you're being a judge with evil motives. Your motives are not for the glory of God, but it's for the being of yourself. It's because you think that they have some type of form factor, beauty. And so it's like, oh yeah, you're making our, our place look good. Or it could be because money, oh, they're going to be able to put the, the change in the bucket. It, it's because you're seeking your own desires rather than the desires that God seeks. That's what man has a tendency of doing. We have a tendency of assigning worth to looks or benefit. And so how can we apply these truths to our lives? Uh, I think that the way we apply these truths to our lives is to see as God sees. See with the eyes of God. Put on the lens of Christ as we uh, look at people. I think Paul says it in a wonderful way. Um, I believe it's in Corinthians. 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 <laughs> I believe it's in Corinthians when he says that uh, we no longer look at people in the flesh. We look up in the spirit. And what he means is by saying we either see them as knowing Christ or not. Because we want to witness to them. The way we react to people is based upon their trust and faith 
in the one who saved us. And so I thank you guys for listening. I know I went probably a little long today, but I hope that uh, we we find um, um, some strength and some, some encouragement in these words that we can live out in our lives. Let's be doers of the word and not only hearers. I'll see you guys in the next episode.